0: This is the Biz News Podcast, one-on-one conversations with experts in business and personal development. Thinking about getting into business through a franchise? Well, there are literally thousands to choose from, ranging from well-known giants like uh, McDonald's to those folks who scoop up dog doo-doo from yards. Yes, that's a franchise, too. The guy who knows it is Gregory Moore a serial entrepreneur, and for the past 10 years, an advisor to people thinking about buying a franchise. In this edition of Biz News Interviews, Greg Moore talks about the pluses and the minuses of becoming a franchisee. Well, Greg, you are talking a lot about franchises because you have walked the walk. Now, you're just not talking about them. What, what are the Uh, attributes that you think are good for somebody who says I'd like to be a franchisee of XYZ what should they bring to that table the ability to be coachable is the main
1: thing on there the reason you get into a franchise in the first place is because they already have the playbook for you they already have the step-by-step process to do that so you got to be able to follow a process doesn't mean you can't be creative but to begin with, you got to be able to follow that process, and you got to be coachable because they're going to coach you. They're going to help you grow that business. That's the whole idea behind franchising.
0: And you have to be willing to work long hours. I suspect
1: depends on the franchise you get into. There are two different kinds out there that you can get into. That's what a lot of people think is a Douglas. That when they come to me, they think that they have to quit their jobs. They have to do a full time. Not the case. A lot of franchises are full time. A lot of franchises are what we call semi absentee. Semi absentee is where you manage the manager and you manage the profit and loss statements. So you're looking at around 10 to 15 hours a week. Just depends on your management skill and style where your main goal is to manage that manager that you have, get that manager hired with the help of a franchise as well and just motivate them, go over all your key indices, see how they're doing, get together with the team every once in a while, motivate them, that is your role. Motivate the manager, get that manager going, make sure they're going in the right direction and keep everybody going in that direction they should be.
0: Greg, uh, tell our listeners and viewers a little bit about your experience as a franchise holder. So my
1: first experience Douglas, as a franchise, uh, in in franchise industry, was actually back in high school, where, you know, back in the late 70s, well, most of us got jobs at fast food places. Mine just happened to be Taco Bell. So I didn't even know it at the time, didn't know anything about franchises at the time, but I moved up in the Taco Bell uh, area and started managing uh, restaurants and I managed restaurants for this lady in Sacramento, California area. She had 50 Taco Bells and she was a master franchisor. So I didn't know that until I started managing her restaurants. That really got me uh, the first, any notion I had about franchising. So I went on to the corporate world, uh, you know, moved up in the restaurant industry at different restaurants, was a restaurant manager, did that for about 15 years, got bored with that. And got a degree in electrical engineering and physics and decided to become a microelectronic circuit engineer, uh, yeah, pretty wild. Did that for about 15 years. I uh, started getting a degree then in business. Uh, read Robert Kiyosaki's books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That about ruined my corporate world history there for me. Uh, so I figured, hey, there's got to be something better out there. So uh, while I was doing that, uh, me and another uh, uh, engineer, we owned uh, dry cleaners, which was privately owned on that uh, private business. We had that so drop-off locations for that, rental units, rental properties. Uh, so I eventually sold my portion of that to him went off on my own. And then after I left the corporate world, I said, I've got to do something for myself. I don't have the latest, greatest idea. I loved that franchising thing back when I was, you know, in high school, just out of high school. I got to get into a franchise. So I went click happy, clicking all over the place on the internet, trying to figure out which franchise was right for me. Finally got a hold of a couple of franchise consultants who sat me down and said, put everything on hold. Let's take a look at where you've been, where are you at now, where do you want to be? And they helped me find out. Great franchise, a telecommunications consulting franchise. And Dennis Schooley, who ran it, taught me everything I needed to know. Great, great person. I did that for a while, sold that one off. And because I liked what those franchise consultants did, working with people all over the United States, all over the world, helping them realize their dream of business ownership. So I did that a little over 10 years ago and haven't looked back since.
0: Well, you could almost uh, franchise what you're doing, couldn't you? It's a it's a business opportunity. Yes, it is. Now, how does a, a would be franchise holder distinguish between the good franchise that they would be good for and uh, something that uh, they might just lose a lot of money at? That's
1: a, a tough call. On that, um, you know, I wrote a, a book because there's a a lot of people were asking the same questions over and over again, uh, just about that how to go through investigating those franchises. So my book, Real Freedom, on there which made it to the Wall Street Journal of the sellers list for some strange reason or another. Um, It outlines it, and it outlines the process I'll take you through on there. But to find out about that, you've got to look for a franchise system. If you want to reduce your risk as much as possible uh, and have the greatest chance of success, some of the things to look for is what is that franchise looking for in a potential candidate or a good franchisee on there? Uh, that's a tough one if you're doing it all by yourself. You got to go through a lot. I know I tried it I did it and it was tough for me until I got a hold of the franchise consultants. But uh, you'd be looking at the corporate culture. You'd be looking at what do they want in your background. So if you're going to go into a Sandler sales training franchise, well, you better have some sales training in your background. You're probably not going to work out too well. They probably won't take you anyway uh, if you get into that. But you're looking for a franchise that has the culture that you're looking for, They uh, that you have the background that they're looking for, And you want them to be vetting you, be talking through with you, and making certain that you're a good fit, just as much as you're making sure they're a good fit. You don't want them to say, "Yeah, you want you want to become our franchisee. Well, here's the franchise disclosure documents. Here's the agreement. Uh, Sign right there. Send us a fifty thousand dollars, and you're good to go." You don't want that. You want them to take you through that process so that they're making certain you got what it takes to be successful. Great franchises. 85 to 90 percent success rate they don't want anybody to fail so they're going to take you and drill you just as much as you are going to drill them on that so it's a challenge to go out there and do it by yourself us franchise consultants don't charge anything for it find franchise consultants that are um I've been around for a while you know got some good experience on there we are like a placement agency we're like match.com and realtor.com all all rolled into one If you decide to invest in one of the franchises, we introduce you to the franchisor's pay referral fee, which is why we don't charge anything for it. So we've got to come up with some some ones that you're going to fit into. And again, make certain that that franchise is taking you through that process and really, uh, really drilling you for your background as you drill them. That way, you know, uh, you're getting into something probably pretty good.
0: Years years ago, showing my age, I'm afraid, uh, there were a lot of franchise scams leading to regulations. Is that something we still have to worry about these days?
1: Douglas, not quite as much, fortunately, since the Federal Trade Commission stepped in. So the first thing people always ask me when they're looking at a franchise, well, uh, give me the information on how much money I can make. Okay, well, as Douglas, you just pointed out, a lot of nefarious franchises back when they first started said, You get into this franchise you're going to make a hundred thousand dollars on that and unfortunately not everybody did so federal trade commission steps in says unless you gather that information you cannot give that information out so i cannot give that information out on there i can i've got a general idea what you're going to make and i can steer you towards the ones i can't tell you that and neither can those so those are the regulations that came in so that in that franchise disclosure documents if that franchise collects information from their franchisees you will find that under their financial disclosures, uh, item number 19 on that. That way you'll get a good idea of what, uh, what you can make on that. If they don't have that information there, they can't tell you anything. So if they tell you something and they don't have that information there, you go running, take off. I don't know any franchise that does that now, but I only work with 500 out of the 5,000 franchises out there. So who knows? But keep that in mind. Now, in addition to that information being in there, you're also going to talk to the franchisees out there, and you're going to verify and validate that information. Keep in mind that every single one of those franchisees was in your place at one point in time asking that same question, how much can I make? So they'll expect that. And I'll have a list of questions for the franchisors and the franchisees. And that's one of the ones that I'll have. You know, how much can you make? How soon did it take you to get there? And even more importantly, is what do you got to do to get it?
0: And make sure you're okay with that. What are the common pitfalls that you have seen people fall into over the years?
1: When people come to me, they're looking for fads quite a bit. They're looking for what's the hottest franchise. I get that question not as much as I used to, but quite, quite a bit um, back when I was first getting started. What are the hottest franchises that are growing? And there are a lot of people like, um, what's an example? The, the yogurt industry for a while there. That's one that always comes to mind. The yogurt uh they had a lot of yogurt franchises back like five years ago and they just shot up all over the place big fad uh, big thing that people wanted to get into thought it was going to be the next greatest thing that everybody's going to want to get into it and then it, it piddled out it just kind of went away after a while so that you know getting into something that's really shooting up and rocketing up um you know you can and it's possible to make money on that but it's going to be a real challenge it's a big risk is what it comes down to so why I tell people we can look at those if you want to, but keep in mind, it's a bit risky if you want to alleviate your risk. And I'm all about education. Just let's just take a look at a few different industries and a few different franchises and let's educate you so you get a good feel for them. I tell them I kind of like the essential services, you know, like the micro dirty jobs type thing out there where, you know, it's a niche and not a lot of people like doing it. It's probably not real exciting, but it has to be done. It has to be done every day. It has to be done all the time. And it doesn't matter what the economy is doing. I mean, you want your air conditioning cooling off if you're in the South during the summertime. That you gotta happen. It doesn't matter if there's a COVID thing going on out there, you're gonna have that air conditioning person out there. Plumbing, electrical work, same thing. Essential services. You gotta have them. Uh, tutoring, senior care, all those things are essential services that you gotta have. So if you really want to reduce your risk, and again, it comes down to you know what kind of a, a business that you want to, and I'm talking service industries here. There's also, you know, plenty of good brick and mortar type businesses that you could do as well. But uh in direct answer to your question, the fads, really be careful about the fads and really take a look at, um, at that industry and make certain that that's an industry that's really going to be around for a long time.
0: Uh, a few minutes ago, you said you handled about 500 of the 5,000 franchise operations out there. How can there be that many, for heaven's sakes? It's amazing, uh, Douglas. There's like a franchise in almost
1: every single industry or a few franchises in every single industry that you can think of. Uh, somebody came up with a good system. Somebody came up with a good repeatable system, and they made a franchise out of it. Uh, so it's a, it's tough to go through you know that many, uh, but there are there's probably yeah, five thousand, four or five thousand out there that are franchises. You know, you we drive down the road and we see them all the time, which is the brick and mortar franchises. I mean, that's the ones we know about. The ones we don't know about are the services industry franchises where you don't necessarily know they exist until you need them. So if you've never had any issues with certain things, uh, then you wouldn't know that they exist. Like the neighborly group, for instance, they have, they're the largest uh, home services franchise in the U S on there with about 20 different uh, franchise brands in their name. So you wouldn't know, uh, you know, you might see a Molly made uh, car around there. If somebody was getting their things done or a Mr. Reuter a Mr. Appliance or a grounds guys sell their trucks, but you don't necessarily associate that with uh, a franchise system because you don't, You know, it's not the brick and mortars. Belfort Group, 1-800-Water-Damage, Packouts, Hoods. Um, Belfort Group is the largest restoration franchise or largest restoration company in the world. And they do like half the cleanup for most of the hurricanes that come. But if you never had a problem with that, you would never have heard about them, not necessarily. You might see them pop up on the screen, you know, during the news blast, you know, Belfort or something like that. But you wouldn't necessarily associate it with them because it's not something we see on a regular basis.
0: As you have looked at franchises over the years, what's the weirdest franchise you've ever had to take a look at? Well, I've come up with a couple of them before there. Uh, Duty Calls would be one. The Duty
1: Calls is, a yes, picking up pet waste disposal. Huge. That's a franchise? That is a franchise. And they make some really good money on that franchise. So if you're looking for a good moneymaker, again, we go back to the micro dirty jobs type thing, things that people do not want to do out there that is a good one so you think about you know duty calls you think about pets you think about your pets in the yard and it's like all oh, right well i guess i could have somebody pick up you know the the mess in my yard. but you got to think about different types of animals what are the different types of animals where are they at geese they're out Oh, there those are messy little things aren't they right so duty calls you want me to clean up your golf course you call duty calls cleans up your golf course parks recreation areas where people take their pets don't always clean up after them don't always see them doing it so they might not notice again huge business that can expand out into many different areas not only the homeowners who don't want to necessarily do the regular cleanup but now you've got other areas that you expand into.
0: boy that is one i guess probably nobody has has thought of but how on earth is that a franchise picking up dog waste it's the process and the procedures that get you
1: the clients and show you how to maintain the business and keep the business that really goes. So it's a business model that you're buying into there and how they do it. So you're not ever having to guess how they do it. So they they went and did it. So somebody at some point in time creates a business and, and they find that if there's a need for it, so they reproduce it once, twice. Now they've got a couple of them. Now they're like, wow, this is an actual need. People actually need this. I've got the process to go through and the procedures to follow, that will bring in new clients on a regular basis on there. I know I can repeat it, so do I grow myself and just spend the money on each different location and do it, or do I franchise? Since I've already got everything in place already and just have other people spend their money to start the business, and I just take royalties off the top of them. So two different ways to grow, but it's amazing what people can come, come up with Douglas on the different franchises, when they find that niche for it, or when they find it that people don't want to do it themselves. Uh, and they got a good process for getting it done.
0: I, I guess when uh, people think of franchises, they think immediately of, of fast food, McDonald's, Taco Bell, for that matter. But those are gigantic corporations. And to get a franchise in one of those, you're talking probably seven figures, if you're lucky. That it doesn't hit hit eight figures to get a franchise. Are there franchises available for a small guy who may or may not have that $7 million under the mattress?
1: Absolutely, Douglas. So we were talking again about brick and mortar versus services industry. The brick and mortar, the ones that we see every day, Meineke, uh, Mako, uh, Supercuts, Greats Clips, um, the, the fitness ones. Those you're looking at, yeah, $250,000, $300,000 on up total investment to get something like that going on there. Generally speaking, they're going to want you to have a $500,000 net worth. Some Those are the things we see every day. Going back to the service industry on that one, generally you're looking at around $150,000 total investment. It doesn't make any difference which one you get, whether it be that service industry or brick and mortar, you could still make basically the same amount of money. It's just two different types of businesses, whatever you're comfortable with. So service industry, $150,000 give or take with a small office. If you take some of those where you work from home, where you go out and visit with your clients, you the clients don't necessarily come to see you. You can generally get in for hundred, under a hundred thousand dollars. Because basically, you're spending a a franchise fee, which for any franchise, big, small, brick and mortar, doesn't matter, they're all around $50,000, give or take. That gets you trained on everything you need to do. So generally speaking, that's what you're going to be looking at for a single one-time franchise fee. Now, the rest of the money is going to be the build-out of that franchise system itself. So if the major thing you need to do is advertising and marketing, you're not going into leasing out a spot. You're not going into a big build-out of a spot. So you don't have that much more of an investment on that. So 100,000 or less for uh, people, still the potential to make a great six-figure income on that is just a
0: different type of business and depends on what you like doing. I, I suspect uh, for for many people, they would plunge into this, but some are going to fail. Most businesses, I guess, when you look at the statistics, seldom last more than a couple of years. What is the... If there is a common thread to failure that you have seen, what might that be? Usually when uh, and you'll see that in the franchise disclosure documents, talking about those again, we talked about
1: the financial disclosures under item number 19. When we get into item number 20, we're going to be looking at the number of people that currently started that franchise and are still running it, and the number who started it and are no longer running it on there. What we like to see is 85 to 90% success rate or better. What we generally see, general theme in the failure of the franchise itself, when we're looking at those, is if somebody turned it over to another family member that wasn't properly vetted out by that franchise. We talked about the franchise making certain sure the franchise makes sure makes make sure that you're a good fit. So they may turn it over to somebody who the franchise did not make sure was a good fit, and they can't, they don't really have the skill set to run it properly. So we see that turning it over to other family members, and then we see it when one spouse gets a franchise and the other spouse has a great job and now they have to move out of the area for that job so trying to do things remotely is not as easy uh as it may seem even for the semi-absentee ones there's still a little bit of a struggle if you're not right there in that area which is why most franchises want you in that area 30 to 60 mile radius uh, running that franchise system itself so those are the two big things in there uh you the family has to move away or it's turned over to a uh, a relative who doesn't have the skill set to run it.
0: What, what about undercapitalization? They don't come in with enough uh, liquid capital to keep the thing running for a while.
1: That is a potential with, um, as we talked about before, some of the franchises that are maybe not as good as others at doing that sort of thing. My franchise orders that I work with are very particular about the people I bring to them. So we do the vetting out of them before we send them to the franchise. The franchise has specific um, guidelines, not just guidelines, but rules, really strict rules about what your net worth has to be and what your liquid has to be. Because if they don't want you running out of money. You don't want to run out of money. Nobody wants to fail. So, and that's one of the when I on my website that I have the uh, seven mistakes to avoid this. You know, capitalization is one. To take a look at, but the, a good franchise is going to make certain that you've got the net worth and the liquid uh, to get that franchise running. And if you go out and try and get a, a loan for it, my loan people are also going to be taking a look at that to make certain that you have uh, the necessary credit, uh, the necessary net worth, to where you'll have the necessary money to operate that franchise and keep going. Nobody's going to guarantee that you're going to get out of bed in the morning. So that's the one big factor on that. As long as you get out of bed in the morning, as long as you got that capitalization, which everybody will make certain that you do when you're working with me, uh, you've got a really good chance for success.
0: Now, you mentioned earlier your book. Tell us the name of it again, please.
1: Uh, it's called Real Freedom Why uh, Franchises Are Worth Considering and How They Can Be Used for Building Wealth. I wrote that one because everybody had, or not everybody, but most people had a lot of the same questions in there. So I walked people through step-by-step, of how to investigate franchises. I have real-world examples and stories of people that I worked with on those. And for some strange reason, it made it to the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. I have no idea how. So many people wanted it. It was great. Really good feeling. Blessed for that one. Uh, But that really has a great breakdown for you of how to go through and look at franchises, what to look for, um, and examples of people that I worked with.
0: And you mentioned a website. What is that?
1: My website is franchisemaven.com. That's franchise, M-A-V, as in Victor, e
0: And you are the maven, obviously? Yes. Franchise maven is my business. That is correct. That was, thank you. And Greg, what would you like to add that we haven't had a chance to talk about? There must be something there.
1: Uh, let's see. Oh, come to me. Um, or, you know, if you're going to look into franchising it's really difficult i mean i told you that i went click happy and I had all of these different people calling me all that franchise consult is a great person to get a hold of so interview a few of them hopefully you'll come straight to me and you won't interview any others i kind of prefer that but i realize that there are lots of other people out there as well so if you're going to look into franchising franchise consultant is going to save you a lot of time and we can save you some money too uh on that as far as the franchise goes but it's going to save you a lot of time a lot of headache a lot of hassle i've been through it before i know how much of a hassle it was so Find a great franchise consultant, interview a few of them if you need to to find that perfect one. I am not gonna try and convince you that franchising is the greatest thing since sliced bread, because for some, it is not. So we are gonna find out along the way. We're gonna educate you, get you to know what the franchise is all about, what you're getting yourself into. uh, And along the way, I'll have funding people for you to talk to, I'll have CPAs for you to talk to, I'll have franchise attorneys, you to talk to. And I guarantee you, they will make certain that you know what you're getting yourself into before you get into it, before you sign any documents at all. But I'm all about education.
0: You've been listening to the Biz News Podcast. We welcome your input. Send your email to editor at biznews.com. That's B-I-Z-G-N-U-S.com.